Welcome to today's broadcast of Kingdom Authority with your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Tune in each Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Blog Talk Radio through Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. Follow Dancia on Facebook at Dancia Jones-Morris or DanciaJ.com. You can also call your hosts and guests at area code 646-668-2413. Thank you for joining Kingdom Authority. And now here's your host, Reverend Dancia Jones Moore. Kingdom Authority. Power Kingdom Authority. Well, good evening. Welcome to Kingdom Authority, and I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. So glad to be with you on this wonderful Father's Day evening. I hope you're enjoying your father, and if your father is like mine and has gone on to glory, I will tell you that you should still celebrate your father and say thank you, O oh God, for giving me a father, even the Seed, I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't be here without him. And so we celebrate you, fathers, on this wonderful Father's Day. It's a blessing, and this is definitely the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a day that the Lord has given us a time to celebrate the gift, to celebrate the gift that he has given us in the way of a father, and I'm excited about that. And what other way to celebrate your father than to have faith, than to exercise your faith in doing what God has outlined for you to do and believing God. It's a great evening. I'm telling you, we are going to speak over you tonight, and I am extremely excited about what God has for us on tonight, for his people his people through the way of the woman of God who is coming tonight. I thank you and welcome you to this in your territory. Isn't that wonderful? We can take authority in our territory by operating in faith. I am so um, in, a, in, a, in a mode where I have got to operate in faith, and I believe God through the woman of God on tonight and the message that God is sending on tonight. Let's just go to God in prayer, and then we'll come with our quote, and I'll bring on the woman of God that many of you have been waiting on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. We adore you. You are El Shaddai. You are the God that is more than enough. Oh, you are our rock. You are our strength. And we trust in you. You are a redeemer. You're the keeper of our soul. Hallelujah. You're the keeper of our soul. You keep us, and you're the God of all comfort. So wherein as we have this day that some of us, God, are remembering our Father. Father, I thank you for being the God of all comfort on this day, God, when my Father is with you in glory. And so, God, he he is absent from me. But I thank you that you are the great Father. You are a good, good Father, and you keep us. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, God, you thought enough about us to bring comfort, the Holy Ghost, to come and comfort us in the absence of a daddy. And I honor you, God. Oh, God, I bless you. I praise you. It's rough sometimes, but thank you, oh, God, for being the God of comfort. 
Hallelujah. If you, Jesus, I bless your name. And for those who are celebrating their father here on this earth, we lift them high, God, up to you. You keep them. You continue to bless them. You continue to strengthen them. You continue to anoint them. You continue to bring them peace. You continue to comfort them, God, as they provide. You be their provider as they provide for their families. In the name of Jesus, oh, God, we glorify you because you are a good, good father. Oh, yes, you are. You are a great God, but you are a good, good, good father. Oh, hallelujah, and you are the I am. Oh, we can call on you and say that I am. You are, Father, and we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for who you are, not just for what you've done. We can't help but come and say thank you first. We can't help but say we praise you first, and we honor you. Oh, hallelujah, Rasta. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Messiah, and you are our Savior. Thank you for being God. Hallelujah. I bless your name. And we come on this night believing in the name of Jesus what you have for your people on tonight to strengthen, to thrust them, to throw them into their destiny, to throw them into their purpose. Oh, God, be a javelin on tonight through this woman of God. Hallelujah, that will pick up people and thrust them into their purpose in the name of Jesus. We glorify you. We thank you, oh God. You get all the glory, honor, and the praise in the matchless name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And that's a good place to just bless God right there. It's a great place to bless God right there for being who he is. He is our rock. He is our our redeemer. He's the righteous one. He is the great I am. He's the holy one of Israel. Oh, my goodness. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Peacemaker. Oh, he's a prince of peace. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, the holies of holies. Woo, hallelujah. And we bless your name. We can depend on you. Oh, my goodness, we can depend on you. And so, God, on this night, Oh, Lord, your people praise you. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, my goodness, I feel a praying spirit on me right now. And so, y'all, just come on and just bless the Lord just for a few seconds. Bless him where you are. Bless him because of what he's done for you. Bless him because of who he's been to you. And thank God for what he's done for you and your daddy. Oh, my goodness, what a what a blessing. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing to have the God that we have and serve him because now we have kingdom authority. It's because of his giftings that we have authority in the name of Jesus. We honor you and we bless you. Oh, God, just bless God. Oh, I like talking to the Lord, y'all. I love talking to the Lord. He's been so great, so kind. Right now I just want to transition real briefly because I want this woman of God to come. Listen, we're talking about mustard seed faith, and she's going to bring the word of God. I want to introduce some things about her. Faith, the size of a mustard seed, you have to know all things are possible. But the word of God says the grain of a mustard seed. And if you've ever had a mustard seed, I season my meat with mustard seed, and they're small. But when I thought about the grain of a mustard seed, it just, just thrust me into something even bigger. And so I want the woman of God to come on tonight to um, talk with us 
regarding mustard seed faith. I want you to know her name is Elder Elaine Rose Penn, who was called to the gospel ministry as a young girl in her father's church in Baltimore, Maryland. I know my niece is out there. Yay, Baltimore. My niece is out there. She's loving it. So since then, she has traveled nationally and internationally preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And her travels, I can't tell it all, but on tonight, because she'll be back with us again. But they extend all the way into Ghana and West Africa. And for my um, the people that are in Ghana right now listening, thank you so much every Sunday night and throughout the week. She's been there, West Germany and the Caribbean. And so I want to honor her on tonight because she doesn't know this, but I look up to and watch what she does. And as a result of us seeing what she does and her flowing, she is on tonight and she's tapped into something within me to help me to go forth. She's part of the reason why I even um, accepted doing this type of um, ministry because she activated faith in me when she came to Grace Temple for our prayer, prayer power and praise conference and activated something in me, I had to step out even further. But she serves at the Pilgrim Rest Baptist Church, and she's the author of several books, one of which I love, which is When Kingdom Falls. Love that book. And then for some of you all who have been writing in to me, Soul Ties is a great book that you need to make sure that you get. For those parents, and I have lots of parents who are adopting children who listen in, you want to get her book, A Chance at Life. I think that's what it's called, A Chance at Life. Stories um, that inspire you um, regarding and having hope for those parents of adopted children, especially those um, um, with have gone through abuse, those who've gone through abuse. Grave Clothes is one that a friend of mine has read, a novel about the death of Lazarus. You never know how you're going to uh, impact someone. So make sure you pick up one of these books, and I'll talk about it at the end as well. But um, professionally, Elder Penn is a former affirmative action officer and educator. She's a licensed life coach, and I plan to use her so I can finish my books because I need the anointing to finish my books. So for those of you who have said you're writing a book about something, we'll talk about that later on another time. But I want you to help me welcome this wonderful woman of God who I know is a prayer warrior, who I know to be filled with the Holy Ghost, who I know to be a preacher of preachers. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this word. Tell your Tell your girls, tell your boys, tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your sisters and brothers, your aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, all them friends and those aunts and all that stuff. Tell them to get on on tonight because she is releasing a word on tonight, I believe, is for the people as a prophetic word. So join in in just a few moments. We're bringing her on. Um, Elder Elaine, are you there? I am here. Awesome. I am here on the line. Do you hear me? I sure can. Please greet our listening audience on tonight. Hi there. Greetings to all of you. I just, um, Reverend Morris, thank you so much. Um, What a wonderful, first of all, just a powerful prayer. Uh, Bless me. Indeed, you are a prayer warrior. And I thank God. I'm, I'm deeply honored. I just want to say this to you as well as our listening audience. I am so deeply honored to be on the broadcast tonight to have even been considered and um, just deeply honored that uh, this woman of God sees something in my life um, that, that she feels 
um, has taken her uh, another another step in her walk, another step in her destiny and her purpose uh, as a mighty woman of God. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, those of us that carry the gospel, we want to be fruitful. We want to be productive. And we're going to hit on that a little bit today. But So I just wanted to say thank you so much for this invitation. It means much. Uh, I am not one that just uses words for flattery and that type of thing. This, this opportunity really does mean a lot to me um, because I understand that we're living to live again. I, I never lose sight of the fact that everything that we do Ooh. and say is going to make a difference. The Bible says that, that the works that we do in this life, that, when we, that one day when we stand with him, and the books are open, and he looks, and we give gives an accounting of our lives. He's going to have crowns and rewards. And the Bible says he, when that new heaven and that earth, new earth comes. Now, now I don't. That's, this is not the direction that I'm going in, but I want you all to know that I, I understand clearly that that our life here is about 70 to 80 years, but we're going to be living with him from everlasting to everlasting. And so, what we down, do down here in this life, um, whatever we do for Christ. It has an eternal, everlasting impact in terms of what, what we're going to be doing when God creates that new heaven and that new earth and we then reign with him in glory. So th- these kinds of opportunities is just another, another opportunity to add to my bonuses. You know what I mean? That's how I look at this. And so I'm, I'm deeply honored. I want to say also to the men, Happy Father's Day to you. I'm like Reverend Morris. I lost my dad a couple years ago, but I had a natural father who was a tremendous man of God as well as three dads in the gospel who who impacted my life by speaking into my life, making critical impartations into my life, and I am who I am because of these men of God, including my natural father, who was a pastor. So I'm a PK. Um, So I'm just very grateful on this day. So we celebrate all of the men that are on the line. Um, And even this morning, I had an opportunity to minister. And that word this morning was specifically to the men. But I prefaced that teaching to the men um, in our church by sharing with the women, just acknowledging all of the women who've had to serve as fathers. Uh, wasn't something that you asked for, um, but it just happened um, that, that, that because of circumstances, you've had to step into role as mother and father to your children. So we acknowledge even women on the line today who've had to operate in that role of, of father today. So we're going to go to the word, and, and Reverend Morris, thank you so much again for that, that, that prayer. That, that really, that set me up real good. We're going to look first at Matthew, the 17th chapter, and um, so those of you who have your Bible, doesn't even matter what uh, translation you take a look at, I will be uh, reading from the King James Version, so we will be re- looking at two specific scriptures. You're going to need some paper and a pen. You, you need, what I'm going to give you, and I thank God that you can always, uh, Reverend Mark said you'll be able to, to download this broadcast and go back and listen to it again. So, so if you prefer not to take notes just so you can listen, um, make sure you download the broadcast. Um, so that you can listen to it again and again, because I'm going to drop some stuff um, with you very quickly, because I want that there's a lot I want to give you in terms of insight and revelation. And sometimes it's best not to try to write, because you'll start writing something, and I'll, I'll move on, and then you'll try to play catch up. So, so I would I would recommend to you instead of trying to take notes, just download the broadcast and go back and save it and listen to it again and again. 
So we will be in two scriptures. We're going to be in Matthew, the 17th chapter, and then later we're going we're gonna to hit 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Right now we're going to look at Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21, reading from the King James Version, and it reads as follows. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. I, I, let me just start off before we, we get into some nuggets here and really do dissect this scripture so that I can show you some things in this portion that had I not um, just worried, I just worried the Holy Spirit because I'm the kind of student in the word when I approach the text, if things don't make sense to me, I won't let the Holy Ghost go, and he loves it. Those of you who, who love the study of the word, the Holy Ghost loves it when you nag him about insight, especially if that portion of scripture doesn't make sense to you. Sometimes the problem is that it's the culture and the language of the Bible um, in terms of the time that it was written, the terminology that was written, and then there are other times when the problems with understanding the text comes out of the words that the translators use to try to capture the meaning of the original language. So all of those things can come into play. And because of that, you've got you've to stay. And what I do, it might be eight verses of a scripture. I don't try to do the whole chapter. I'll, try, I'll go with whatever the issue or the topic is that the Lord is dealing with me. And I may read that same portion of scripture for two months every day just looking at it, just writing down, taking notes of the fresh new revelation that the Lord might give me in an A part of the verse or the B part of the verse, or he might open up my understanding for one verse and then hook that and connect that to something that he said earlier, and we're going to see that happen even tonight. Uh, so let me just share with you where, how, I, how it was that the Holy Ghost got me to this place where he began to reconstruct me and reteach me about this issue of faith. I, I am one, um, this is going to reveal my age, I am one who grew up during the camp and tent meetings of A.A. A. Allen and Shambach, um, these men of God who would go into major cities and they would set up tent revivals and people would bring people in to shepherd on, on uh, uh, what do you call it, they, they would bring them in on cots. And they would set up with all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases, cancers, people that were blind. Well, I was a little girl during that day. 
I remember my parents taking these were days, these were Jim Crow days. Some of was right at the end of Jim Crow, where blacks and whites weren't even supposed to sit together under the tent. Now understand something as it pertains as it pertains to faith and how it was that the Holy Ghost got me here. I wanted to know from the Holy Ghost, Lord, why is it that there was a day when during the day of Jack Cole and Catherine Coleman and Smith Wigglesworth, these men and women of God and uh, Maria Etter, these, are, these were women and uh, men of God that operated in a tremendous flow of healing where blinded eyes would come open, people who were born lame. And why is it that in that day there was such a, a release and such a belief and God, um, for those things that were just so impossible as it pertains to healing, the healing of the emotions and the healing of the body. And I've asked that question of many pastors, many preachers. I've even wondered why it is when I travel internationally, there's a different anointing that, come, that will come upon you when you're in other lands and other countries that don't seem to operate here in the U.S., and I've never been satisfied with the answer. And some of the answers I've gotten were pinned. You know, we got a whole lot of doctors in medicine now, and so people no longer um, look to God um, as their healer. And I get that, and I agree with that to a certain extent. What the Lord has had to teach me is that the reason that people get healed so quickly, we, hear, we see a flow of miracles through doctors and medicine, is because that's where our belief is. But it took the Lord to teach me, to begin to reteach me faith, this mustard seed faith, and how unbelief has crept in and injured us body-wide in this day and time in terms of the miracles of healing um, that comes through faith. And so, so I want you to understand that I, I just, I would say for the past 15 years, I've been like, Lord, why are we, you said that, 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 that these signs would follow those that believe, that, that, that there would be the casting out of devils, there would be the healing of sick, there would be a flow of miracles. You said these signs would follow. And, and what I've learned from um, Dad Kenneth Hagin Sr. is that we ought to act like the word is true. That's something that, that you know, Dad, uh, I cut my teeth on some of the faith teachings of Kenneth Hagin Sr., and that was one of his, make, uh, Charles Capps also, who's gone on to be with the, with the Lord. These men taught faith, and they taught um, that, that, that if God said it, that not only does that settle it, if he said it, not only does it settle it, but it's true. And what I learned and uh, what God had to teach me is that oftentimes as, as the body of Christ we read the scriptures and we quote the scriptures, but we, are, but we operate in unbelief. So what, let's approach the scripture now. So that's how I got there. It's because I wanted to understand, Lord, why aren't we, if we have the Holy Spirit, we, we can have a great outpouring of the anointing that drops in our services um, where people go forth in the dance. Um, there are even churches now that are very strong in the prophetic where the gifts of the Spirit are operating. But I said, how come, Lord, is only scattered one here or every now and then one over there that you will hear has the, this flow of the, the gifts of healing? Why, why, is it that, why is it that the millennials are not seeing a raw demonstration and manifestation of the power of God like I saw when I was a little girl um, in the A.A. A. Allen and Shambach revivals? And that's when God began to deal with me um, with some of the error that I have learned in the church. And we're going to learn tonight that much of that error has come out of church rituals. 
So the same Holy Ghost that will move in the demonstration of the dance and in worship, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just drop in our services. Uh, and I know many of you on the line can say amen, where you know that God is in the building. You know there's a manifest of uh, outpouring of his anointing where people begin to weep under his anointing. People begin to move forward in the gift. But I said, Lord, how come we're not seeing that in, in healing? Why is that not in the body? And I wasn't satisfied that the, that the sole reason for that is because we have so much access to doctors and medicine. And so I thank God that I wasn't satisfied because as I be kept running after the Lord and I be kept, kept nagging the Holy Spirit, what did he do? He took me into his word. So let's go to Matthew 17. You will look and you will see that this is a, the Bible says it was a certain man. He brings, first of all, when the, the, the portion of this text opens up, he has already talked to and brought his son to the disciples of Jesus. And the Bible says that when the, this portion opens up that we read, that we just read, he's now kneeling down with Jesus and he's saying to Jesus, I brought my child to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. Then there's something odd happens to me that bothered me, bothered me for a long time. And that is in the 17th verse. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I just felt like, man, that, I mean, that, I mean, that is just like in your face. I mean, just an in your face embarrassing rebuke from the Lord, and I, you know, almost at a certain level, I was like, Lord, that's kind of strong. How, why, why did you address the disciples like that? Um, and, and, and I just, you know, so, so it wasn't about saying that the Lord was wrong in the way that he rebuked the disciples, but I knew that there was something behind it. I knew that there was something that was out uh, without uh, uh, really digging and really pursuing after the Holy Ghost, that, that, that if I wasn't careful, I'd read past that 17th verse. Um, but, but because I was hungry, and I was hungry to understand faith and how it works and why it didn't work for the disciples, it, I, I underlined and highlighted that 17th verse because I knew that it had to have something to do with the other things that Jesus says to his disciples. So, so I want to say to you that I want the first thing I want you to notice is that, so, so let's, let's look at what Jesus does, how he handles. And then we, don't worry, we're going to come back to the 17th verse. The 18th verse says, and Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, let me show you something. The Bible says that when this man brought his son to the disciples, the Bible says that the man says to Jesus, your disciples couldn't cure him. The second thing I want you to notice is that when, when the disciples take Jesus aside privately, they ask Jesus why they couldn't cure him. I want you to also notice that the, this eyewitness account 
is Matthew, who is the great physician. So remember that a physician is wired to, to look in terms of sickness and disease. So I want you to see that when we look in the 18th verse, what does Jesus do? He rebukes the devil. So now what's the what, what is it, Penn, that, that, that caught your attention here? Well, what caught, catches my attention is that the disciples tried to cure him, but Jesus rebuked the de a devil. I need you to see that. I need you to see that they use, they use the incorrect method to deal with this boy. This boy, the Bible says that when you look at the words of the, uh, of the man, he says, my son is a lunatic. He is sore vexed. He falls into the fire and he falls into the, into the water. So in other words, this thing inside of my child, this, listen to the words of the man. This is more than a disease. I need all of you to see that, that this is not just a disease, because a disease doesn't cause you to fall into the fire and into the water. You see how if you read through it too quickly and you don't meditate on it and just really let that word marinate and you don't run after the Holy Ghost, you can read past some very obvious things. You, don't even, you know, sometimes I'll go just search out things in the Hebrew and the Greek, but some things is obvious. But, but that you that you just need to continue to read it and read it, and then it'll just like it just jumps off the page and you hit it, and it just hits you in the face. So one of the things that hit me in the face is that disease doesn't act like that, and yet that's what that's the method that the disciples use. So they tried to cure a boy that had a demon. Now watch this. Let, now let me show you something in the twenty-first verse that'll reconnect. Um, up to that, to, to the way they handle the reason why the disciples fail. The Bible says in the 21st verse when Jesus answers the disciples, so they take Jesus apart privately, and they ask Jesus, we tried to cure him, why didn't it work? Jesus says in the 21st verse, how be it, he, so, he, so Jesus in the 20th verse, we're not going to go there just yet because there's a whole lot in there I want to show you. In the 20th verse, Jesus talks about their unbelief. So he says, it was on your unbelief. He talks about the grain of mustard seed, which we'll get to in a minute. But in the 21st verse, he says, how be it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. That word kind in the original language is the word genos. That word genos means type or character. So what Jesus was saying to his disciples, this particular demon, the nature and the, and the character of this demon, you're not, gonna cast the, you're not just going to roll up on this one and tell it to go. You've got to be prayed up and fasted up to deal with this one because this particular thing that you were dealing with when this man brought his son, this the nature of this thing affects this boy emotionally, physically, and psychologically, simultaneously, this spirit. And so Jesus knew, of course, being the son of God, Jesus knew immediately what he was dealing with when the man brought his son. The disciples were not able to see that this thing doesn't call for a laying on of hands to heal him. This thing is a demon. So we can't deal with it. Watch this. Watch this, those of you that are on the line that, that have the ministry of deliverance. You have the, many of you operate in the prophetic. You operate through the laying on of hands. Look, look, at, look at what the Lord brings out in this text, that there are some things, if you use the wrong method, 
It's not that it was it, that there was a problem with your faith. You were using the wrong method for the wrong condition. And so the disciples were trying to cure the boy. Now watch this. The disciples were accustomed to curing the sick. We know that they were because the Bible says on one occasion, Jesus sent out the 500 and he gave them authority to heal the sick. He told them, go out two by two, whatever house you go into, don't, take your, don't only take what you need. And the Bible says they come back to Jesus and they say to Jesus, we, you know, Lord, we, we found out that even the devils are subject to us. I believe that's Luke, the 10th chapter. And the Bible says if you read on through that passage of Scripture, you'll find out that Jesus turns from the 500 or the, the group that's gathered. And he then prays to the Father. And he says to the Father, Lord, I thank you. That you that, and I'm paraphrasing, that while these things are hidden from the wise, you revealed them to babes. And so he, he was saying to God the Father, Lord, I never even told them that they had the authority to do these things. And yet when I commanded them to go out and I, and I gave them a charge and a commission to go forth to do the greater works, they discovered in their going and in their obedience that they had the, the ability, and the Bible says that, that, that when they came back to give Jesus a report, they were surprised too. So I want you to understand, a couple other scriptures I could go to to show you that the disciples were accustomed to curing the sick. But in this instance, they were trying to cure something that wasn't a disease. Now watch this. this there are demon spirits that cause disease. So I, I don't want to get that twisted. I want you to know there are, there are demon spirits that will invade a body, the physical body, and cause much harm. So there are times when, you, when those of you that, that operate in the gift of laying on of hands and gift of discernment and even in the prophetic, there may be times when, when God will give you by discernment, spiritual discernment, he will indicate to you that you are dealing with a disease or a sickness. So there are times when demons engineer those diseases, especially when you're dealing with the generational curse. When you're dealing with a generational curse where that sickness or that disease is traveling in a generation until somebody stands up in their bloodline and decrees and declares that, that, curse, that, the, that the outworking of that curse will cease and desist in their generation, somebody has to stand up in terms of a blood-washed believer and say that this genetic disease that is engineered by a demonic spirit that we call a generational curse. In other words, that, that thing is traveling through the family line because there's been nobody to stand up in the bloodline that's blood washed and connected to the vine and address that thing and speak to it and say we will not accept the, the, the idea that everybody has to have migraine headaches. We will not accept the fact that everybody, had, that all of the women in the family have to have endometrius, that have to have a problem in childbearing. Somebody has to recognize. So, we, so the first thing we notice that, the, that when the disciples looked at the boy, they didn't properly recognize what they were dealing with. Now, now if I ended the broadcast right there, some of you have been blessed right there. You, 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 and, see, and, and let me tell you what happens, because I'm, as I, when I operate as an evangelist, when I do prayer lines, what happens, we can get caught up in the rituals the ch and church rituals. Church rituals, even with your gift operating, 
even with the prophetic operating, even with um, that, that spirit of discernment operating, you can still get caught up in church rituals and not be as effective. Uh, when, and, and, and that's only because uh, uh, there's a certain atmosphere that occurs when you begin to operate in the spirit realm. That natural realm is pressing at you too. That's why often Jesus will put everybody out before he would raise people from the dead. He would put everybody, and he was the son of God. The Bible says when he went back to his hometown, he could do no mighty work. The Bible says he could only heal a couple. Uh, the Bible says a few uh, sick folk. That's, that's, that's what the Bible says. Because, because of an atmosphere where, you're, you're, where the, the natural, carnal, fleshly realm of people that are around you and that are even in that prayer line are pressing and fighting and warring against that spirit of God in you that's speaking, that is giving you discernment. So this warfare goes on. That's why we have to be so careful when we are ministering and we're moving in um, the gifts of the spirit, when we're operating in churches, when the revivals and conferences and what have you. So I don't want to go too far off into that. So I just wanted to show you that what the disciples were dealing with, because, and that, now, Penn, how did you even notice that? I noticed that because of this, and I left go to the, the verse 20. I noticed it because on the one hand, so let me read it again so we can really stay there just for a minute. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So I remember, So then in the 21st verse, when he says, how be it, in other words, be that as it may, this kind goeth out by, but by prayer and fasting. I said, well, Lord, which one is it? In the 20th verse, you said it was unbelief that prevented them from dealing with this thing. But then in 21, you turn around and you said, be that as it may, how be it, this kind goes not out by prayer and fasting. So I wanted to know, and that's when the Lord was able to help me to see that, that what the disciples thought they were dealing with, that wasn't it. There was, there was something on a whole different level. Those of you that move in the, in, the, in the gifts of the Spirit, this was a whole different level of the anointing. That's why when you're flowing in the gift, you need people around you. You need people that are around you that are prayerful. You need people that are around you that are undergirding you in prayer as you're moving and you're flowing in the operation of the gifts. Because remember, the carnal, that which is carnal, that which is doubtful, that which is fearful, is pressing against and warring against the spirit of the Holy Ghost, which you're trying to listen to, you're trying to flow with him, and you got all of these other spirits in the atmosphere. So then, so then part of the problem that occurred with the disciples wasn't just that they, were, they used the wrong, they were using uh, the wrong tool for the wrong issue, but Jesus also said their unbelief. Now, let me, let me just stop there. Let's, let's work the text on that 20th verse. I, I was bothered by this, and, 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 and let me tell you why I was bothered. I, I have good friends in the gospel ministry. Some of them are pastors. Some of them, like Reverend Morris, they're, they're, they're ministers, um, members of I mean, they're, I, have, I have good, close friends that are in all different levels of ministry, all different levels of spiritual authority. And all of us ask the same thing. All, for years, I've been bombarded by the same question. Pen, why is it when I tried it, it didn't work? 
Pen, why is it that I believe God for my healing and I still wound up having to go to the doctor? Pen, why is it if the angels of God, which are ministering spirits, that are sent forth to minister on our behalf, when they hearken to our voices and they, they are charged from the kingdom, from the throne of God, to go forth and to hear the words of, his, of God's people and to bring whatever that petition is to pass, Pen, why is it that it's not working? This thing nagged me for years. I had the same question. I was bothered by the fact that as an evangelist and as a woman of God that moves in the gifts of the Spirit, that I would see sometimes it worked and sometimes it wouldn't work. And, and it would bother me. There are a couple things I want you to see. Number one, I want you to see that when Jesus turns and he rebukes the devil and this boy, the Bible says that the boy, was, he was set free from that very hour. So the first lesson that we need to learn is that we, we, we instantly move into doubt and unbelief when the manifestation of what we speak does not come to pass. But the Bible says that, when, that Jesus who had all power and authority, knew who he was, didn't have the issues with doubt and unbelief that we have. When he spoke it, he wasn't worried about it coming to pass. He didn't need it to come to pass right away. We think that because when we lay hands on somebody, we don't see the manifestation of that deliverance immediately, we think it didn't work. I need you to get that. Somebody on the line needed that right there. You needed that right there. But if you, if you, if you know that, that, that the working of miracles and that manifestation of the Spirit of God, you feel that flow. Some of you sometimes feel it in your hands. Sometimes it's just an unction of the Holy Ghost. You know that it's there. You know that it's there to heal. Sometimes it's there to heal certain illnesses. Sometimes it's there to heal emotional distrust. You know when you feel that anointing because you've, 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 uh, because you've been rooted and grounded in it. You've made mistakes in it and learned. So you've, learned, you've gone through the baby stage and the juvenile stage, and now you're walking maturely in the exercise of your gifts. So make sure you understand those of you that are on the line that are just beginning to be released in the gifts of the Spirit. Just remember that, that when you first, when God first begins to deal with you in a certain level of anointing, you go through a baby stage, then you go through a juvenile stage. So, so remember that you have to exercise the gift. That, that it is the exercise of the gift that matures the gift. And so initially when you're a baby, you fall, well, but you don't stop getting up. I, you know, I see many people of God who stopped trying because, because you were in the baby stage of that calling or that anointing, and you didn't understand babies fall, but in the process of learning to walk, they learn to stand up without falling. You, you all with me? And then once they learn how to walk, now they've got to go through um, pre-adolescent stage, which comes with a whole nother set of trials. And, and it also means that in the body of Christ, we need to be patient with each other when people are exercising that gift. And I understand that a lot of times pastors don't want harm done to the body, but we allow a whole lot of other stuff. We allow jesting and jiving in the pulpit. We allow folk, come on, y'all, come on, y'all on the line. We allow a whole lot of stuff. We put up with a whole lot of stuff, but when, the, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, all of a sudden we, we're so afraid that the body is going to be harmed by somebody who is developing that gift. But, okay, so I'm going to get off of that. 
So then the Bible says, now watch this, Jesus turns. Now here's the second reason. So the first reason, the disciples were using the wrong tool. They were using the wrong tool to deal with the issue. The issue was, was not a disease. It was a demon spirit. And the, remember that your first clue was when the man said that this boy would fall into the fire and fall into the water. A disease doesn't do that. That's a demon. This demon was trying to, to cause the destruction of this boy. And, and, and then you, you, the other clue you see is when the man, the father says he's lunatic. So he's speaking to a psychological, he's speaking to something in this boy that is impacting this boy psychologically, physically, and emotionally. That is a demon spirit, all right? And that takes discernment to know the difference when you, those of you that operate in deliverance minister, ministry where you're praying God, sometimes you have to ask yourself, Lord, what am I dealing with? I do that all the time when I'm ministering deliverance. Lord, what am I dealing with here? And I, sometimes I'll wait. We, you, sometimes you've got to wait on the Lord. You just have to, you have to wait on the Holy Spirit. He will speak, but he don't like to be rushed. He don't like to be rushed. He don't like you to get impatient with him. Sometimes he just wants you to wait on him because sometimes in the waiting, he's training you, and he's training you to discern his voice from your voice and from other voices. Sometimes he's teaching you how to wait on him when, when there's a pressure to move forward quickly and to keep on going so we can get to the end of the service. Sometimes the Lord will just test you in that thing to see, are you going to obey me? And let me do this my way and do it in my time? Or are you going to let these outside external carnalities, all right, rush you? Don't, so the Holy Spirit will say, don't rush me. Let me do this my way so I can teach you and train you. Because you're dealing with something that's bigger than what you, said, bigger than what you can see with your natural eyes. So now let's talk about this, this second reason why the disciples had an issue with casting this thing out of this boy. The Bible says Jesus said something odd to them, which will then connect with the 17th verse. The Bible says to them, he says, because of your unbelief, I can't tell you how many times I read that verse and I read what Jesus said and I got stuck. I kept saying, but Lord, if they tried and if the disciples were accustomed to take, they were accustomed to healing the sick, they were even, there were even some occasions when they probably were casting out devils. And we, we have that report from the 500 in Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter. So I said, Lord, why is it that, why didn't it work for the boy? If they were accustomed, because even they asked the Lord, Lord, why, why couldn't we cure him? So, so if you read the text closely, you will see that they tried. And so here's the thing that the Lord had to show me. The answer or the clue was in the 17th verse when Jesus rebukes them and he says to them, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. What I learned uh, in connecting the 17th verse with the 20th verse is that Jesus was basically saying, you are, you are a faithless, perverse group of men. You, you have no faith. Now, now watch this. When I challenged the Holy Ghost to show me what the problem was and why Jesus called it unbelief, for a group of men who were accustomed to being able to, to, to work, to walk and operate 
in this authority that Jesus gave them when they walked with him on the earth. You know what the Holy Ghost said to me? He said, no, they weren't. He said, no, they weren't. He said to me, he said, do you remember the, when, when, when Jesus had to feed the, um, the 5,000? We know that it was actually more than five. There were only 5,000 men, but it were probably more like 10, 13,000, uh, not counting the women and the children. But if you remember um, that, that miracle that Jesus did in the opening of that passage of Scripture, the Bible says that when, when, when Jesus says to the disciples, he says, feed them. Disciples said, Lord, where are we going to get food for all of these folks? And so one by one they come and they respond to Jesus. And the Bible says, Jesus says to, that one of them said to them, Lord, we found a little boy with five, uh, with five loaves and two little fishes, or, or two loaves and five fishes. He said, but what are they among so many? So the Holy Ghost said to me, the disciples were always filled with unbelief. He corrected me. He said, hey, he said you're looking at this episode where they had to deal with this epileptic, this boy that had the appearance of epilepsy, he said, but they were always filled with doubt. They were never in unbelief. He said, he said, when they brought the boy to me, they were still, he said, even when I lifted up the loaves and the fish to bless it, they were in doubt and fear. And the Lord said, if you read on to the end of that passage of Scripture, when he said, when we went, if you read, uh, if you go to that, that portion of Scripture with the, the loaves and the fishes, Jesus warns the disciples and says to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the Bible says that the disciples begin to say to themselves, oh, he must be talking about bread. The Bible says that when Jesus learned that they were commiserating over the issue of bread, the Bible says Jesus rebuked them and said, how is it that you're talking about bread? How is it that you don't know that I'm warning you about the teaching and the doctrine of the Pharisees? I just did a miracle where I fed thousands of people with two loaves and five little fishes, and you over here, you worried about where you go, because when they got on the boat, wherever they were, the disciples forgot to take bread. And Jesus, is, he rebuked them. He said, I just did the miracle. So th then, we, then we remember um, when they were on the boat in the storm, the Bible says Jesus was, I said, just want to give you a couple of examples um, to show you why Jesus called them a faithless and perverse generation. The Bible says that when they were on the boat in the middle of that storm, Jesus was in the hinder part of the, of the boat. They wake Jesus up and said, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? The Bible says Jesus gets up and he says to them, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He goes and he rebukes the wind and the sea. And, and so, you, and the disciples, now listen to the words of the disciples. They said, what kind of man is this? that even the sea and the wind obey him. So what the Holy Ghost needed me to understand is that, now catch this, catch this what I'm about to say. The disciples followed him without a revelation of who he was. This condition that Jesus uh, addresses in the disciples, this was a sickness. This was a disease. This wasn't something that just happened with this episode with the man. When you first approach the text, you're led to believe that this was just an episode in the life of the disciples. They were a faithless group of men who followed Jesus. They saw the miracles. They were impacted by the miracles. They helped him. They helped distribute. The, they saw the fishes and the loaves were few. They saw the men seated and how Jesus, and I always point out to people, one thing we miss is that they didn't pass out raw fish. <laughs> 
is something that we tend to miss when we read that portion of scripture, but that fish would have been cooked. It was cooked meat, you know? And so the, when the Bible says that they distributed all of the, these fishes and loaves and then had 12 baskets of fragments, in spite of, they even saw Jesus raise the dead, and they still walked and followed him in unbelief. We even see it at the cross. This is not an indictment of the disciples. This is for us to see that we have the same problem because, quite frankly, we have asked God, those of you that are on the line, that operate in the gifts of the Spirit and believe God and have a desire in your heart to see in this last day every word of God come to, truth, come to pass in our generation. We have done the same thing. We have said to the Lord, Lord, why, why couldn't we cure him? Why didn't it work? Why is it that when we decreed it and we declared it, it didn't happen? Why did the person die when we went to the hospital and we rebuked death and they died anyhow? Why is it, God, that in the church when we laid hands and we believed that you were going to heal that baby or heal that mother, why didn't it work? We have asked the same question as the disciples. And I would say to you that the rebuke of the Lord is sounding down through, come on here today, generations. He's, he, interestingly enough, his word says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, remember that when Jesus speaks, he is speaking not only to the church there, his disciples and those that are his followers, and many of you know it was more than just 12 that followed him. Many followed him. There were many female disciples that followed him. So, but Jesus is always speaking to those that he knew would be reading the word of God in this day and time, try, walking according to the word and trying our best to obey the word so that we could have the fruit of the word. So when Jesus rebukes them, what he's basically saying to them, to them and to us, to us, is that you have a disease called unbelief. The Holy Ghost kept me there for about two to three weeks. And the Lord began to say to me that my body is infected with a disease. I went to the dictionary because I wanted to know what an infection is. Because if the Lord says what is happening where we're not seeing that raw demonstration of the move of God and miracles and healing is because we are infected. Watch this. The dictionary says that the thing that causes an infection are harmful pathogens, bacteria, and viruses, watch this part of the definition, which invade healthy tissue. I need so, some of you, you're going to need to doubt, you're going to need to save this broadcast and listen to it again. An infection can only occur when that bacteria invades healthy tissue. This, now, watch this, the dictionary says this invasion results in a multiplication of harmful microorganisms. Watch this. The Bible, Jesus, Jesus or the Holy Ghost was speaking to me, and he is saying to me, my body has been invaded and infected by harmful bacteria. So there we are. We move forward in the praise and worship. We know how to go from the outer court into the inner court. 
We know when the Lord has extended his godly, um, a kingly uh, scepter and invited us to come into the Holy of, of Holies. We know how to praise him. We understand spiritual warfare. We know how, uh, we know about the prayer of agreement. We know all of these things, but healthy tissue has been infected by a, by a disease or a condition called unbelief. Well, Penn, what are you talking about? The Lord had to show me that in the same way that the disciples walk with Jesus without a revelation of who he is, we have the hope of glory living on the inside of us. I'm preaching right now. The Bible says in Romans, the eighth chapter, that the same Holy Ghost that got Jesus up out of the grave, the Bible says Jesus was graveyard dead for three days, and that that same Holy Ghost that got Jesus up graveyard dead, that that same Holy Ghost dwells inside of us. I need you to get that. That same Holy Ghost, the name of Jesus that has authority and power and the Bible says, in heaven, in earth, and underneath the earth. In other words, the name of Jesus carries authority and power in all three dimensions at the same time simultaneous. We have that name. We have the name, and we have the Holy Ghost, the Prince of Peace, and we have the one that's the Alpha and the Omega dwelling on the inside of us. But when we allow doubt and unbelief to come into our words in the same way that the disciples walked with Jesus and saw the miracles, we operate in a portion of the anointing. We operate, we use his name, um, um, we use his name at church. We use his name when there's a crisis, but our words are filled with doubt and unbelief. When for a week, the Holy Ghost began to let me hear what was coming out of my mouth, and I am a student of the word. I am a preacher of the word. I am one that I'll go toe-to-toe with a devil in a minute. And the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to say to me, but if you would exhibit that same boldness and fearlessness when you're dealing with demons, if you would exhibit the same fearlessness in the circumstances of your life, over your finances, when somebody lies on you, when you have issues in terms of your, the business that you're running, when you, when you, have, when, when you are, are bombarded and when the enemy is shooting daggers and darts at you, if you would let your words be words that are filled with life, if your words begin to manifest that, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when, 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 we, when we stop uh, uh, thinking that we have to accept the, I call it the, the, the word of God calls them the vicissitudes of life. And we begin to speak to the thing and we begin to say to you, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Devil, you will get out of my finances. But it, it, it's kind of like when Dad, uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. said, he said, act like the word is true. If Jesus says speak to it, he meant what he said. So let me show you a couple of other things. We, we, we talk about that grain of mustard seed. Um, we, we focus on the size of it, but what the word of God, here's how we miss it, because we're not farmers. We're not farmers. And so when we approach the text, when we see, when we look at the grain of mustard seed, our primary focus is on the size, but with Jesus, his, that was only a secondary focus. His primary focus, if we had been a farmer looking at the text, we don't understand that, the, that a grain is a seed. So then the King James um, translators threw us off because they, they actually used the word seed two times. They said the seed of a mustard seed. 
So they use the term, they use grain, and that's what threw us off. When they use the term mustard seed rather than, uh, than seed and just dropping that last word, are you all with me? Had they said, um, if, had, had, in the words of Jesus, had they said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard, we wouldn't have gotten tripped up. But we got tripped up and began to look at the size as the primary issue because they also added the word seed. But when you're a farmer, a grain is a seed. I need you all to get this. A grain is a seed. So now, now what's the revelation in a seed? A seed, can you imagine that the grandest trees, trees that are 100 years old, started from a seed? That is the power of the seed. A seed has the innate ability. I need you all to get this. A seed has the innate ability to reproduce after its own kind. The power of the seed is soil, water, and sunshine. Scientists call it photosynthesis. When, when, a, when a seed goes down into the right soil, when that seed goes down, that seed dies. In other words, the shell breaks open. And that seed, even as it takes a journey down into the soil of the earth, it's also going upward. So it's going down into the soil, but it's shooting up. Now, why is it going down? Because it needs depth. It needs depth. The closer it is to the surface, the more vulnerable it is. So it has, So when that seed, when that shell breaks open, that seed will begin to, a little tiny seed. Watch this, y'all. That, this is what Jesus said, if you just had, if you had faith as the nature of a grain or a seed of mustard, if you had its nature, the nature of a seed is to go down as small as it is, to go down into the soil, break forth and begin to take roots and go deep. And as it's going deep, it's shooting upwards and it's shooting upwards. It breaks the ground. And it's going and it's moving toward the sun where it converts the energy of the sunlight to give it strength and vitality. Then what does it do? Then it begins to grow and multiply and it's strong. And the Bible says this is why Jesus, throughout the New Testament, you see that the church, you see the church likened to a grain of mustard seed. And you'll see that throughout the parables of Jesus. Because, because it is not the size that's the primary thing. Size is important. It is critical to the revelation of what Jesus is saying to understand that it's incredible that something so small as a grain could, could grow up to become this huge tree. Some of them in, in the city of Baltimore, I'll never forget there was a storm that ripped through that city about 15, 20 years ago, and when it ripped through the city, it was rooting up, tearing up trees. They found some roots of trees that were all the way on the other side of Baltimore City. That's how deep the roots of these trees went. Let me show you something else. It took a young boy to say this to me. It took a young boy to say this. I was, I'm a former principal. There was a young man in my school who would, the kids would tease him and bully him because he, because he was just different. He, was, he loved to read and he loved science and all of this stuff, and, but it wouldn't work. I, I, as a principal, I always wanted him to, to do his work. One day I was just sitting and I was monitoring the learning, the computer lab, and he walked up and sat next to me at the table. He didn't know that I was in Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter, where the Bible says Jesus spoke to the fig tree. 
the body, he walked up to me. Now, I had been meditating. I was doing like I told you I did. I just looked at that scripture at least four weeks every day, looking at that portion of scripture, trying to understand why Jesus was talking to a tree and telling us in the 20th chapter of Matthew that if we speak to the tree, we could tell it to be moved in the same way he's talking about this mountain. Now, watch this. I'm about to give you another revelation. This young boy said to me, Miss Penn, he smiles at me. He said to me, can I tell you something about a tree? I looked at him. I thought to myself, okay, Holy Ghost, <laughs> because there was no way that this boy could know that I was studying Matthew, the 20th chapter, looking at that fig tree uh, where Jesus says, speak to it. He says, speak to it. And so, uh, so I looked at him and I said, what? What do you want to tell me about trees? He said, Miss Penn, he said, people think that, 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 uh, that down in, in uh, that a tree, that a tree only communicates, or he, he said he said he said people think that that uh, that water and food are the only thing that happens underneath the ground in the soil um, where you have a lot of trees. He said, but he said, but trees communicate with each other through the root system. That's what he said to me. He said he said so, Miss Penn, uh, they're not only sharing the soil and sharing the water and the nutrients underneath the ground in the soil. But he said they communicate to each other through the root system. Well, Penn, why is that important? It's important because when Jesus said to us, he said, if you have faith as a seed of mustard that has the nature of a seed that goes deep and breaks the earth and comes up and becomes a huge tree, it has the nature, the richness, and the life and, and the Holy Ghost had to correct me because I'd written in my notes that we needed the potential of a seed. And the Holy Ghost said, cross out the word potential and write the word capability. He said, because the word potential goes to what is possible. It's a maybe. He said, but understand the seed has an innate ability. It has the innate ability. If you put it in soil and you add water and sunshine, there's no possibility it's going to go deep and come up and break the earth, and it's going to flourish. He said, that's why I liken my kingdom to a grain of mustard seed, because it's not about potential. It's about what's in that seed. It has an innate ability. It will produce after its own kind. It will be fruitful. It will be productive. Now, hold on to that because I'm going to share with you a mystery about that fig tree. Let's go back to the mountain. Jesus said to the disciples, it's because you've been infected with unbelief. You walk with me. You talk with me. You sit, you sit with me. You hear my teachings. You see me raise the dead. You still don't believe. That's an infection of healthy tissue. That's an infection. And if you would be there with me and you would, and you would agree that you have the same issue that I had, I had to learn that my words carry life and death, that, that, that as the prophet of God, when I speak a thing spiritually, I have to be careful what I speak naturally. There are a lot of things we say casually that the angels of God are listening to. We speak, and, 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 and we have allowed the, the, the enemies of God to say that we're being super spiritual. But I don't know about you, but I don't meet too many super spiritual people. It is a trick of the enemy to make us feel like if we are students of the word and we, and we have 
uh, made it up in our minds that we're going to walk according to the word and we're going to have what the word says, the enemy would ridicule us and try to say that people that do that are super spiritual. But that my Bible tells me that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I become his servant and his ambassador when I walk in his word and I do what his word says and I speak his word and I believe his word. In order to, we'll come back to the antidote in a minute. Let me go back to that mountain and I've got a note here to come back to you about that antidote, how we get rid of this infection where we've been infected with unbelief. So we're walking, we, we walk forward and we're ministering and we are ushering in the anointing, but we got the, we, but our, the healthy tissue of the anointing on our lives is infected by what we speak and sometimes what we allow to come out of our lives. And remember, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. It's out of the abundance of the heart. So you will speak what you really believe. And the Lord began to let me know. We even have healing um, lines and we have services where we ask people to come forth if they want prayer. But the Lord said, church ritual. We will, we will approach people and lay hands on people as a ritual, really not believing that God is going to do the miracle. That's what the Lord challenged me. He said, you really don't believe. He said, if you really believe it, when people approach you, you would ask them, do you believe? He said, but, but since we have trained the body of Christ to be ritualistic and to just do things as form and fashion, People come forward as automatons. They just come forward as robots. If you ask who want to be prayer, all of a sudden people just get up. Uh, just total unbelief. Sometimes you may even ask them what they up their prayer for, and they look at you with this look on their face like just anything, everything, whatever, just lay hands on me. Because they're not coming in belief. We've trained them that whenever somebody asks you if you want prayer, don't turn prayer down. I've heard ministers say that. If, people, if anybody ever asks you if you want prayer, don't ever reject prayer. Get in the line and get some prayer. Well, but we never talk to them. We never train people and teach them that when you get in the line, get in the line with a belief and a faith that whatever you have need of, that means focusing on something that you have need of and believing God because without believing that God is going to do it, if you don't have anything in mind that, and you just want prayer, the Bible says that God reigns every day on the just as well as the unjust. You're blessed every day you get up in the morning. So we've trained people to not even believe God for specific situations in their lives. Now let's go back and look at that mountain. I take issue with ministers that take this verse of scripture and say that the Lord really wasn't speaking about a mountain. The ministers of God have said from the pulpit, he was really talking about big things in your life. Well, that ain't what he said. I need those of you that are on the broadcast. That's not what Jesus said. And I'm learning that if Jesus said it, to believe that it's true. If he, was, if, if, if he didn't mean a mountain, an actual mountain, he would have said so. He wouldn't have used the term mountain. Well, Penn, do you have anything to back that up? I can back it up in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, when the Bible says that when the, the, the Jesus and the disciples were walking along, Jesus looks up and he sees a fig tree that has no figs on it. The Bible says that he comes to the fig tree and he speaks to the fig tree. Jesus is talking to a fig tree in the same way then in this scripture, he tells us to speak to the mountain. He is speaking to a fig tree. I believe that when Jesus, I understand that when preachers are doing an exegesis of this scripture and they want to give the people of God a practical use 
I get it. I agree with you. I understand where you're going when you say to people that when Jesus said speak to a mountain, he's speaking, he's talking about those big things in your life that look like they're going to overwhelm you, that look like they're bigger than God. I get that. I get that. I teach people that, 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 that God is a miracle-working God. He still does the impossible. He is a God of the impossible. What man calls impossible, God says it's possible. I get that. But that's not what he said in the context of this scripture. He is, he is talking to the disciples, and he says to the disciples, if you speak to the mountain, if you say to the mountain, be removed, and you tell it to be cast into the sea, the Bible says it will remove over in the 20th chapter. I got a couple, I got a couple proof evidence for you. The Bible says he spoke to a fig tree. Now, why did he curse the fig tree? It took me a long time to understand why he cursed the fig tree. He cursed the fig tree because it was non-productive. You will find in the word of God that anything that doesn't produce fruit, God has a problem with it. God had a problem with that fig tree that was not, it had leaves, like it had some fruit, but there's a difference between leaves and fruit. So the Bible says when he curses on the next day, watch this, those of you that flow in the gifts, those of you that, uh, that begin to move in doubt and unbelief when you don't see a, an immediate manifestation of that healing or whatever that was that you declared over that person, the Bible says the next day, when Jesus and the disciples passed by the way where the fig tree was, the Bible says that the disciples said to Jesus, look, Master, look, the fig tree that you cursed on yesterday is withered up from the root. This would have taken at least 12 to 24 hours before that tree withered. Some of you are speaking to things. You've addressed it. You've addressed it in the power of the Holy Ghost. And then you move immediately into doubt and fear because you don't see it immediately. But Jesus taught us when you speak it, you have to believe that you receive right then. That's why Jesus said when Jesus taught us about faith, he taught us if you speak it, if you ask, believe now, believe right then. You don't, it don't, you don't have to see it to believe it. You just have to believe that when you spoke it, that God is able, that he's a can-do God, that he's a prayer-answering God, that he said that whatever you bind and you loose from the earth realm, God said, I'll back what you say from heaven. That's what God said. And th but there's a, this issue of time, and there's an issue of process, and we don't, we're, not set, we're, we're not comfortable with things taking longer than a minute to manifest itself. But if we would begin to act like the word of God is true, we will begin to see. So it is important that we never, that when you speak a thing, when you speak it and you address it, that means you have to open up your mouth. One last revelation about this. We're going to go to our last um, portion of scripture. I hope this is blessing somebody. I hope this is blessing somebody. I, I want you to understand that the anecdote for, uh, to counteract, you know, when you get an infection, you go to the doctor they give you antibiotics. They're giving you antibiotics to fight that infection. So I need you to understand that in order to fight that infection, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Lord has had to, to con continuously remind me that the word of God says that every man has a measure of faith. You, the same faith that you had to come to Jesus, to believe that you're saved and you have eternal life, that measure of faith is a seed. 
if you that 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 right there is enough. The very the very yes that you gave to the Lord as a sinner undone, born in sin, born and shaping in iniquity. The very faith that it took to believe that Jesus had forgiven you for all of your sins, and that you now have a place with the King, and that you are now seated in heavenly places. That measure of faith right there, that seed is enough to move a mountain. Last revelation about this mountain. And then I'll, I'll just hit on that antidote, that antibiotic for unbelief in a minute. I was watching a, a program by Charles Capps, now gone on to be with the glory. His, his daughter, Annette, wrote a book some seven years ago about quantum physics. And I happened to be flipping because I was looking at of the ministries of Catherine Coleman and Jack Coe and, and, and Maria uh, Woodward Etter and these, these great men and women of the Smith Wigglesworth just looking at these men and women of God that slowed um, in healing, just wondering, God, where we missed it. And, and um, Charles Capps was teaching with his daughter Annette, and she had written a book talking about quantum physics, and she shared that um, there, there, there is an international, um, and, and even operative today, there's an international community. Watch this, y'all. Watch this. This, this is so tremendous. It's going to help you with that, this mountain that Jesus talks about. Um, they were uh, this international community of scientists um, from all over the world, internet, all over the world, um, studying. Um, um, they, they were trying to divide an atom. And so because they were trying to get at the smallest particle, and so the, the smallest particle known to scientists was the atom. Well, when they split the atom, they discovered that once they reduced the atom to the smallest particle, it's a sound wave. I need you all to get this. Because Jesus said if you speak to the mountain, he didn't say something like a mountain. We added that. We added that to help the people of God and bless the people of God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you speak, he said, if you have the faith as a seed of mustard, this nature of faith, faith is so powerful. Faith is the language of heaven. Faith is the culture of heaven. Faith is the dynamic of heaven. If you have this faith, and you walk and you believe from a measure, that measure that started, when you receive Christ in your life, that seed right there has the power and the authority to grow and develop and mature and to speak to something like a mountain that is made up of sound waves. When this international community of scientists reduced the particle of life to the smallest and then split it, they found that it was a sound wave. What is Jesus saying to us? He says to us, you must open up your mouth and you must speak it. I have put the, the power of life and death in your tongue. You have to speak it. You can't just do a mental affirmation. You can't just think it in your mind. You have the power. It was given to you, God said, when I, when I translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of my dear son, when I went back to the throne, come on here, you all got, you all got me preaching now. When Jesus sat down, he didn't sit down because he was tired. He sat down because he was finished, 
And he said, I now give this authority to the church that in my name, if you speak it, if you open it, but you must open up your mouth and you must speak to this mountain. You can speak to the fig tree. Where else do we see this? We see this in the miracles of Jesus when he spoke to the sea and the wind. So we see Jesus saying you can speak to a mountain. We see evidence of what he said in this chapter when he spoke to the fig tree in Matthew, the 20th chapter. We see it in the Gospels when he speaks to the sea and the wind. We see it when he's walking on the water. So we see in the life of so what he tells us to do. He's not lying to us. When he speaks the truth, he means what he said and said what he means. So we have to be very careful when we're reading the word that we don't take away from the word or add to the word. If he said, say to the mountain, he's saying, open up your mouth and speak to it. And it has to obey the word of God in your mouth because it is a living organism that is made up of sound waves. Now watch this. This Jesus who said, speak to the mountain, is the same Jesus in the book of Genesis who was there on the day of creation with God the Father and God the Holy Ghost that created mountains. So he knows something about mountains. He's not guessing about mountains. He's not, trying, he's not tripping and trying to figure out what fig trees are made of. And this gospel and this passage of scripture, as well as the 20th chapter of Matthew, when he says, speak to it, if you would just believe, and you believe that when you speak it, you have it right now. You don't need to see a manifestation of it. It might happen in an hour. It might happen within 24 hours. It might even take a little bit of time. But if you believe that you receive it right now, it is done. I will back what you say from whatever you say from the earth. Jesus said, I will set aside natural laws. I will set aside the law of sickness. I will set aside the law of death. But you, you cannot walk with an infection in your faith and only reach for faith and belief when you have a crisis. But all of the rest of your walk in Christ, you're, you're speaking and walking in doubt, unbelief, and fear. And then think that you can speak to a mountain or think that you can speak to cancer and it'll work. So it's not working because the healthy tissue of our faith has been infected. But what's around us, you know, there are many ways to get infections. We all, I promise you, I'm coming to an end. I know I've been speaking a long time. I promise you I'm coming to an end. You know, there are many ways of getting infected. While I'm speaking, just turn, flip over to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9, and we're just going to finish this up really hope that you've gotten something out of this. I really hope. The other one I want to bring, just mention, I'm just looking down at my, my note. Uh, there was an occasion when Jesus, um, in the uh, uh, Gospel of John, I believe it's the fourth chapter. I could be wrong about that, but I believe it's John's Gospel. When Jesus spoke to a fish, Jesus spoke to a fish and told the fish, bring Peter some money. Jesus, it, Jesus shows us. So when Jesus tells us something, as the very word in the flesh, come in the flesh as the very son of God, the one who was there on the day of creation, when he says that we can speak to an inanimate object, y'all can think I'm crazy if you want to, but I believe with Jesus said it, I'm just crazy enough to believe that what Jesus said was true. 
And the only way we can build ourselves up on our most holy faith is to begin to approach the word like it's true. But whenever we approach the word like some of it's true and some of it's not true, and the Lord, he said this, I know he said speak to the mountain, but he really wasn't talking about a mountain. He was talking about something as big as a mountain, but that's not what he said. And so the way that the antibiotic for this condition, this disease of unbelief, is that we have to begin to speak, say, out of our mouths what the word of God says. We can never at any time side with the devil against God. And any time we move off, we cast off the word of God for how we feel and what something looks like. You know, I know the Lord wants me to do so and so, but you'd be surprised how many layers of unbelief, how much infection and micro, uh, uh, microorganisms have invaded uh, our, our faith walk so that now we speak so much. I was shocked when the Holy Ghost took a week to just let me hear and let me watch the layers of unbelief, all of this infection that we don't think is nothing. Why? Because when we go to church, all of a sudden we're in worship and praise. We're loving the Lord. We're saying amen to the, to the but what about, what about when you're outside of the church and you're not caught up in that realm of the spirit where you're free to just lift your hands and go forth in the rejoicing? What about in everyday life? What about when you're dealing with people that are trying to hurt you, trying to hurt your family? What about people that send you letters to threaten you and intimidate you? Is the word of God as powerful in those incidents and those crises of life as it is when you are in church and your hands are in worship? I'm reminded of that Syrophoenician woman. Y'all, I'm finished. I'm finished. I'm reminded of that Syrophoenician woman that came running out of the coast. The Bible says she came to Jesus and her attitude was, I can't go back home with my daughter. My daughter is possessed of devils. The Bible says because she was a Syrophoenician woman, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, send her away. Since she's making all that noise, send her away. This woman begins to follow Jesus. First thing she does is she falls down in worship. And the Bible says Jesus turns and says something odd to the woman. He says to the woman, it's not meat to take the children's bread, cast it to dogs. But because this woman needed a miracle, she could have given up. When Jesus said that, she could have given up. She could have decided, oh, I'm a dog now. Huh? I, I'm, you, what you're basically saying is you're not going to help me because you just turn your back and walk away. The Bible says that this woman um, replied to Jesus, but even the crumbs fall from the master's table. The Bible says Jesus turns and looks at the woman and says, woman, because of your faith, because of your faith, your, your daughter is healed. Now, what did Jesus do? I believe that Jesus saw this woman's faith, but he wanted to create tensile strength. He wanted to bring this woman from a place of just belief to a place of, I'm going to keep following you. You can walk away from me if you want to. You can try not to listen to me if you want to, but I can't go back home to my daughter with these demons. I'm going to pursue you until I get what I came for. I believe that Jesus deliberately wanted to pull tinsel faith out of this woman, and that that's why he turns and he basically says to the woman, it's not meat to cast crumbs to the, the uh, 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 it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. So I believe that this is an hour. Um, those of you that in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, Second Peter, I'm just going to read these verses, give you one final insight about antibiotics so that we can correct this issue that we have. Uh, Second Peter, the first chapter, look at verse 3. 
according as his divine power, have given unto us all things. Listen to the words of this, you all. So powerful. Have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Listen to the words. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Listen to this. This is the anecdote. These are the antibiotics that, that we need to, 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 to correct this infection, this condition of unbelief. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We have the law of life and death working in us through Christ Jesus and through the power of the Holy Ghost. The way that I have been correcting the infection of unbelief in my life is I have increased the amount of time I spend in the Word. I have turned my TV set off. Uh, research shows it takes 28 days to break a habit. I found myself coming home exhausted from work and just flipping on the TV set or flipping on music, and the Lord began to deal with me, and he began to help me to see there are many ways you can become infected. You can become infected by anything that enters the gates into your soul. They enter through the eye gates, the ear gates, and even through the mouth. And so until we begin to get at these microorganisms and these viruses, that work and you 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 know you gotta cut off CNN. I had to, I had gotten a habit of turning on CNN, listening to the 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 most recent foolishness of our 46th president, and I was finding myself I was going to bed vexed, going to bed frustrated. If you 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 know you listen to these talking heads and three or four of them talking and disagreeing with each other and talking a whole bunch of foolishness. You know, all of those are microorganisms and viruses. If you're not careful, you'll be the prophet of God saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to us. And God help us. And, and all of these shootings in the school. And Lord, what we going to do? It? But the Bible says that if my people that are called by my name would humble themselves, come on here today, y'all, and pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked way. He said, I will hear from heaven and heal your land. If, you, if you're not careful with all of these viruses, it'll end affect the way you think. It'll affect the way you talk. It'll affect the conversations you have with other people. It'll affect what you read. It'll affect how you spend your spare time. But this is not an hour. If this is an hour when we have decided, when we have made a decision, that everything that God said we have, I want to walk in it. I want to have it. If he says that he wants my soul to prosper, he, come on here. He wants me to be in good health and prosper, even as my soul profits. I want to see prosperity in both sides. In my walk in Christ, I want to see it in my health. I want to see it in my finances. If we're going to walk this walk 
and we're going to have signs following us, like the Word of God says. And we're going to show this generation of millennials the raw manifestation of the power of Almighty God. We're going to prove to them that God is real. We've got to deal with this sickness, this illness in the body of Christ that pervades the body of Christ of unbelief. And that's what I, that's what I want to leave you with right now. Our walk is not by sight. Our walk is by faith. Reverend Morris, I'm going to turn this back over Glory, to you. Glory, hallelujah. You thank you for this Glory, opportunity hallelujah. to bless you and this ministry. I'm telling you, woman of God, I have so many notes that I have taken down that I am, I almost couldn't keep up, so I have to go back and listen to this myself over and over again. I am so appreciative. Let me tell you something. A lot of stuff you said is what I've been waiting to hear so that I can continue to walk because my mouth wasn't speaking what God says. And so that was great correction for me. And people of God, listen, whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. And this was a word not only of encouragement to thrust us forward, but also correction for a lot of us who who operate in the prophetic in one sense and not in the other. And I'm telling you, um, I am I am thrown by by this in such a great way. I'm grateful to you for what God has given you to share to the people of God because this has been um, nothing short of amazing. I'm just going to tell you that. Nothing short of amazing how the Lord speaks through you to others. And I would like for you to just pray for the people. This word, we're going to go ahead and um, water this word right now. Water this word, the seed, in prayer. And so can you just pray for the people that are struggling and just take your time with that? Yes, I will, my sister. Father, it is in the name of your son, Jesus, that we come. Lord, thank you so much. Papa, you are so, you know, Papa, when you walked into the room, when you walked into the broadcast, you promised where two or three are gathered in your name. You said you would be there in the midst. You said you would be the third. You said, it said if there are one or two, you said you would be the third. Thank you, Lord, for being the third, for being just joining us, uh, all of those that are on this broadcast far and wide. You know who's represented on the line. You know what the calling is on their life. We want to thank you for this gathering. Thank you, God, for the visionary. Thank you, God. What a timely timely mission and vision it is for this right here. And Father, we just, we just bless it. We speak the richest of your blessings upon this woman of God and for the vision for this ministry, all of those that have connected to her and connected to this broadcast that are just hungry. God, we're hungry. You've been waiting for this moment for your people to reject those things of the world, those things which are carnal and fleshly that don't satisfy, those things that just don't, they don't fill our thirst. Father, you wanted us. You want us. And so, God, here we are. Here we are positioned in this time and in this place and at this moment. Father, here we are, hungry. We run after you. We chase after you. Holy Ghost, you are not just the comforter. But, but you are the revealer. You are, you are the one that opens up the word and makes it clear and that makes it plain. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all of these on the broadcast. 
that even as you were you, you were revealing your word, you were dealing with this one and dealing with that one, and de- you were answering questions and you were bringing clarification. What a mighty, mighty God you are to be able to just operate like that everywhere at the same time, dealing with each heart as each tender vessel, each tender heart. God, thank you for knowing where we are, knowing what we need. Thank you for being long-suffering. Thank you for being so patient with us. Father, it is in this hour that you want us to begin to launch forward those that have the calling of God on their life to do the work, the greater works ministry. Father, we do launch them in the matchless name of Jesus. We launch them forward now. God, we thank you that, that, that when you send us, you equip us. And so, Father, we thank you that you have many ways of equipping us. Sometimes we're shocked and amazed that you, you, you equip us through diverse places. You have many different ways of opening up your word. And, God, you said it's through the hunger. It's through the hunger of wanting more of you, of learning of you. You said that when we seek you, that we should come learning of you, wanting more of you, wanting more of your, of your truth and more of your power. Father, show us your glory. Show us your docs of glory. Father, we want, this is the era and the season of the greater works ministry. And, Father, we know that, that you have warned us that when we are to, re, that we are to redeem the time and that we are to see the signs that are on the earth, but you also promised that there will be a great revival. Before that day happens, you said there will be a great revival, that even before the great falling away, there's going to be a great revival. And, Father, we want to be ready. We want to be ready for the masses. We want to be equipped because truly your harvest is rich. Your harvest is ready. It is ready for for us to go forward. And so, Father God, we ask you, Holy Ghost, launch us. Launch us out into the deep. Launch us even as you launch the 500 and you set them forth and you said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't, don't, don't feel like you have to take anything. I'm going to equip you. And God, I thank you because you said in that hour, you will give us what to say. And you're going to give us, you, you even said that in these days that you're going to open up the mysteries of your word. You, you said that the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed, that God, they belong to us and to our children forever. So God, we thank you that, that this hour and this generation is the generations of dreams and visions where you're going to pour out of your spirit upon all flesh and that we would prophesy and the gifts of the spirit would operate to fullness and in maturity. God, launch us, mature us, push us forward, birth us, God, in the name of Jesus. Wash us and cleanse us from doubt and fear and unbelief. God, show us, check it. We ask you, Holy Ghost, to check it and correct it in our mouths and our thought process. Just correct us. God, we want to be clean. Purge us. Scrub us with hyssop. Scrub us and clean us. Show us God. Hallelujah. When we're in error in our thinking, God, we want to be more like you. We want to think like you. We want to speak with the language of heaven. God, we truly want this generation to come into a knowledge 
and a wisdom of who you are. And then, Father God, we pray for wisdom. Father, you said that wisdom is the principal thing. You said, but in all thy getting, get an understanding. So, God, even as you teach us the truths and the mysteries of your word and of the gospel, Father, we pray that we would hearken unto the voice of wisdom. You said she calls out in the streets, and you said she's ever at our right hand. You said wisdom is better than gold, and you said that you said that when we have wisdom, we have all of these other things. And so, Father God, along with understanding, we ask you, God, to bless us from with that wisdom that proceeds from the throne, God, in the name of Jesus. So, the Father, that even as we receive truth, that wisdom will guide us with discretion, that wisdom will show us and prove us, that wisdom will mature us. And so, Father God, we thank you and we praise you for this night. We thank you for blessing us and releasing us and cleansing us and forgiving us and correcting us because, Father, your word says that whom the the Lord loves, he chastens. So thank you, God, for your correction because we really do want to be your followers and your disciples in the earth realm. We really do want to have everything your word says we have. We want to do everything that your word says that we should do. And so, God, we thank you. We bless you. There's none other name that's greater than the name of your son, Jesus, and it is in his power and in his authority that we do the greater works anointing. We are ready. We are prepared. And, Father God, we say yes. We say Mm. yes to your will and to your purpose. It is in the matchless name of Jesus. I say amen and amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, O God. Oh, Lord, um, thank you so much, um, Elder Elaine Penn. I want you all to make sure you follow this woman of God. Look me up on Facebook, those of you who are listening. I'm going to post some more. Follow her. I'm telling you, this woman is being used by the Most High God, and that's our Father, God, Jehovah, Jesus Christ is within her. The Holy Spirit is within her, and you have to connect with this woman of God. I'm telling you, and I'm not saying that to, to, to um, what is it, boast about, of her, but of the Spirit of God that resides in her, because it's all about him. It is all about God. It's all about Jesus Christ. It, have, we have nothing to do with this besides we are vessels, and God is using this vessel of God. So if you want to follow Follow um, the the links that I will send to direct you to her Facebook site. And also get her books. I'm telling you, the the book that I've read intently, When Kingdoms Fall, you've got to read that. And some of the books my friends have read, Soul Ties, you've got to pick up these books. God is, is directing this woman of God. Wisdom is definitely guiding her. And I pray that you continue to um, flourish. Um, Elder Elaine, I, I pray that God will open up the right doors, the doors he wants open up for you, and not just for you, but for the kingdom of God. I praise Thanks. God for for you. I, I do. I praise God for you. I can't even express. I've written down today and what and the correction. I'm telling you, it's the correction. And I'm receiving texts as, as we were on 
on the on the broadcast of what people have to change and what they have to say and what they have to do differently. And so I'm telling you, it's impacting lives already. Now, hear this, people of God. Application is key, and consistency is key, and we have got to do this for the glory yes. of God. Thank you. Again. Yes. Yes. Any last Ab- words before we um, yes. wrap up tonight? Lord God. Any last no, words before we? All done. I, I'm okay. done. I. You hit it. Application <laughs> so key. So key. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thank you again, and you all look forward to her coming again. We'll set some dates up, and when she's available, I will make sure that you can, because I, I see y'all's messages and texts coming in, so I, I will make sure that you know when she is on. I will not forget. So God bless you. This is your host, Reverend, oh, my goodness. This is your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris, our special guest, Elder Elaine Rose. Pen. You got to look her up. I'm telling you, Elder Lane Rose Penn and this praying woman, preaching woman, teaching woman, anointed woman, you've got to follow. We thank you for joining us on tonight on Kingdom Authority under the leadership of Dr. Donna Ganning of Brooklyn, New York, Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. We praise God for you and God bless you operating your territory with Kingdom Authority. Have a great night.